Great, and so now we're here with three of the four members of Echoes, a new group that we've put out on uh, our next level imprint on Outside Music. Uh, and we're here with Evan, Chase, and Matt. Thank you for joining me today, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah um, so, you. you know, I'm very interested. It's always fun when we have multiple people on here because then you, you kind of get like different uh, interpretations of like the same project and whatnot. So who wants to take the ball and kind of explain echoes and like why, you know, I know you guys experiment a lot with uh, electronic instruments and electronic methods, which, you know, some people are getting really hip to right now. Uh, some people are not. Why don't you explain like the, the, um, you know, decision behind that, the motivation behind it. Like, was there a specific band you guys are checking out or what was really going on there? Hmm. Who wants to take a ball on that? I mean, I think uh, electronic wizard Matt DiBiase should. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, well, I think as uh, jazz musicians, we've always been really interested in a lot of things going on uh, in real time and a lot of interaction during our performances. Um, but what we studied in school was a lot more of playing a song form and then improvising over a song form and sort of taking turns individually. But we really like to explore. Um, Almost improvising, like with it, with the electronics, we really like to explore improvising more timbrely with our ensemble and focusing more on like real time interactions as a group with doing stuff simultaneously rather than playing more in a traditional jazz sense. Um, but yeah, we have sort of a setup right now that is like a jazz quartet meets a lot of electronic instruments like Chase has a trigger system. Uh, Max has an electronic wind instrument, Iwi, and I have a keyboard and a synth uh, mallet instrument. So we sort of try and integrate all of those things as if we were just playing our regular instrument in a jazz sense. But uh, yeah, bring, bring about more experiments with timbre. And um, it also just gives us more freedom compositionally to, to, to think about things outside the box. Yeah. yeah, and the two other things I'd I'd add to that are it also is nice because it can expand the the sound of our group in the sense of like if I'm playing drums and triggering something at the same time, we can have like a chordal instrument in effect, drums and acoustic vibes and a horn and a bass. Or if Matt, it, it basically it allows us to get like as Matt was saying different like or the most amount of timbres and sounds possible still having just four people in the band and also it's just kind of for the type the style of music we're playing which i'd I'd say is coming out of more or increasingly more out of like electronic music sonically it just we need different sounds than than uh, pure acoustic sounds to really give that music kind of the character it deserves. So I think it was just kind of born out of like the direction we were going musically and trying to find solutions to, to bring the sound we were hearing in our heads to life. Yeah. Now, I, oh, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. I mean, I just wanted to segue that into saying that a lot of our musical influences are um, a lot of born through lots of like the drum and bass music that was popular in the 90s with square pusher and apex twin and stuff and um how like those you know ensembles have a lot of different textural sounds that we can sort of bring across in more of a live setting 
So what advice um, do you guys have for someone looking to get into more of the uh, electronic sounds or, or, or techniques to utilize? Because like, you know, I, like I certainly will not claim to be experiencing this at all, but you know, something that immediately bridges the gap for me, um, someone that's played mostly in acoustic setting to maybe you guys would be uh, someone like Ben Wendell and seeing how he's using uh, pedals and whatnot with his playing. So what, what advice do you have? Because it's really overwhelming to think about, like, there's so many things that you can do, which is incredible. But like, how did you guys start in this? Or how did you decide, well, like, let's try this first? Or, or how do you decide when you're going to utilize it in, in a composition, maybe? Sure. Mad, you uh, should take the lead. Okay, so, well, I guess when you're first diving into this, um, I would definitely just recommend um, learning the basics of synthesis for sound uh, and finding a, a plugin or anything really basic, whether it's just a, a crappy synthesizer or it's just like a simple software um, like GarageBand and you can, where you can manipulate the envelope of the sound uh, and the timbre and the waveform and all of that and really just understand how the sound you've been making through your acoustic instrument works physically and how you can manipulate it electronically. I would probably start there and then I would look to get a software that really empowers you to program things uh, and sort of arrange them as if you were performing them live. Uh, the most common software that everyone's doing this with right now is called Ableton Live. Uh, and it's really powerful in that sense of like having a preconceived notion of a song or a form um, or a progression or anything like that and being able to set up triggers and set up uh, things that change in a timeline basically for you to perform with. Or you can just treat it as if it were like five different instruments and you can map a knob to just turn and switch between all the instruments um, as if you were just like switching horns if you had a bunch of different horn instruments on the bandstand. Um, so that's that's kind of like the first way I started getting into it. Um, and it's also really cool if you find a plugin that you like to just go through presets and then mangle with them and, and mix them up. Um, and that teaches you a lot of like, I love this sound or these set of effects uh and then you can you can learn sort of your own toolbox or vocabulary for uh making and designing your own and programming them for a live performance um, i'm not sure if that totally answers your question but yeah yeah i mean do you guys feel um that when you're well i guess let me approach it from this way how do you guys go about composing how do you, what is your, do you guys have a method for this? Is it like a, a group composition all the time? Do you come in with your own tunes? You say, hey, let's workshop this. Like what's your well, guys' Well, I think there? part of the the thing that makes this group unique and is also just really fun from a compositional standpoint is because all of us sort of live in different places, um, we only really are able to get together, you know, once or twice a year to run through a lot of our compositions that we've been working on and, and we have had a wonderful opportunity at Avalok Farms in New Hampshire to really uh, workshop them. And so we really are able to come in with a, a looser idea of where we want uh, what we want the music to sound like. And then we sort of are able to really workshop it and go into the lab and just experiment with different sounds and layers and, uh, you know, through comp through composition and things like that to uh, create something that's really unique. 
now yeah, yeah you, i think are you oh, go, go ahead, ahead. Yeah. no, no, no i was just gonna say i think our, our use of when we're using electronics yeah like evan was saying i think it's always coming from like a place of a more playful place of experimentation and just trying things out it's not like we're self-consciously going in with the idea of we're going to layer this song with as many electronics or plugins as possible it's more just like well one of us will bring in a song and maybe to augment or en enhance the mood that we're trying to convey it could be useful to incorporate an electronic element and then yeah through collaboration and, and trial and error we'll kind of come to something together that we like uh yeah do you think I, it's um with when you're playing acoustically, you know, there's only so much that like your instrument can do, you know, like every instrument has their strengths and has their weaknesses. Um, when you add in this extra facet of adding in electronics, do you think it's easy to add too much or like oversaturate everything that's going on? And how have you guys worked? Through yeah, that I'd stuff? agree with that statement, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I mean, I think a lot of it is just like personal taste, but, um, because all of us are do both acoustic and electric music that we sort of know through experience where that like too much, uh, line is, and we try not to go over it and, or at least when we do, we are aware of it and we were able to do it tastefully. I think we still very much approach designing our textures like if you had um, almost like just a double-sized band, like an octet, uh, where you could have these like additional timbres on top. But we never, like I think with a lot of the electronic instruments we use, we're almost always playing them and never, we don't really let a lot of things like run behind us and like go crazy on top of them. Uh, there's like really only one small section that I can think where we do that. So most of the time for everything we do, we're still, con we still have a very tactile relationship to it. Yeah. And um, it's, uh, it's very easily controlled and velocity sensitive a lot of the time. So you can just, like I was saying, the real time interaction is really what we like to keep with our performing. So um, we don't want to ever feel like we're enslaved to like a track or, um, you know, getting buried by a lot of the effects and stuff that we're putting on top. <clears throat> yeah yeah i mean i i would agree and it was interesting because you know when we were putting together this stuff uh to submit you know obviously i was like okay so this is the band like they got they got this quartet with bass drums vibes and and sax but you know normally i think if you're approaching that type of a mindset from like an acoustic uh setting like you're expecting it to be pretty uh um sparse as far as like the music but like it's actually like fairly dense and i won't say dense in like a in a negative manner but like you guys have a lot of harmonic stuff that you've been able to work out through it you know which is i'm sure a blessing for you as a vibraphone as you know you don't necessarily always <laughs> get yeah, as, yeah, as, as cool of a voice <laughs> right i mean yeah. i've don't get me wrong. If a vibraphonist can comp like that's an incredible thing and i love it but like you know at the end of the day you have four mallets yeah, man. I love having oh. 10 fingers with a keyboard in our performance. Right, right, right. Um, so this is now like your second project that you guys have put out. Because uh, mm -hmm. you guys did Square 2 in what, 2018 or was it 2017? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, last year, 2018. Yeah. So, what um, what do you what did you guys learn going from project one to project two? What is like what were those things that like you thought you did one way in project one and you're like, okay, this is how we're gonna do it, and then you looked back on it and you're like, ah, there might have been a sure. better I mean, way think, to do that. And you maybe well, try to adjust for this. I think, okay. Uh, I mean, the main difference. You got it, Evan. I mean, I think uh, you guys can chime in, but the main difference between like Square Two and this most recent project loading screen that we have is that you know uh, Square Two is really that DIY sort of thing where we all recorded everything ourselves on you know some SM58s and like-minded things where we really just like took a small room uh, and we just sort of recorded everything in live takes where with this most recent project, uh, we were able to go into a really, really nice studio uh, and layer everything the way that we wanted to and, and really get the sounds uh, as clear as possible so that we could have something that sounded more like a, a studio album than a live trick, a live album, which was more of square two's thing. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, that, but all, uh, yeah, no, definitely. But also another difference is that I think for loading screen, we also thought about instead of just individual tracks, we thought about kind of the set as a whole. And so a few of the tracks lead into one another. Yeah. It's kind of more of like a play through thing. So I think we were thinking a little more consciously about the relationship uh, between songs, like, like, uh, and even between maybe songs that might not immediately have you might not think to have like a direct relationship to one another like on uh like we go from matt's song tardy party which is like a more i don't know groove displaced backbeat thing and then it just flows into agbeke which is like a west african drum circle influenced thing and i think through like putting the tracks in a certain order and fading into one another, we were able to like reveal hopefully uh, more clearly, like the connections between these different types of music that resonate with us. Now, was that a, a desire to simply uh, as a, as, as when you're acting as a producer to be conscious of how the album as a whole sits together, or did you guys have an overarching uh, concept or or theme or or idea or whatever have you when um when you wanted to put out this new project. I don't think we went into it. I think like uh, Evan was mentioning, when we get together every year, we've kind of all been in our own compositional spaces and musical exploration. Sometimes we'll share music with each other, but not super frequently. And um, when that when that's like everyone's in their own kind of world compositionally throughout the year, and then we come together, we're almost like looking for some common threads and then how we can blend these things to make a pretty, uh, it's, it's sonically and timbrely very consistent, but in terms of like background and influence, I think it's very diverse and that is very interesting and, and pretty, pretty fun. It's like a little puzzle when you try and like produce the album and, and put it together with what works. And obviously we decide to cut things and we experiment with things and we say, you know, I think this is cool, but it doesn't totally fit for these, uh, like set of tracks that we have that we're planning to, to put on the record. So yeah, it's always it's always a kind of fun puzzle to to put together. 
And so we yeah, were, that we was were, well, I'll quickly add that, that I'll just quickly say, I think that is because actually square two was initially <laughs> twice as long. I think it might've been, we might've recorded like 10 or 12 songs on that. And we were initially going to release all of it, but I think slowly we've been like paring down our, our aesthetic to, I don't know, to be more clear or to like, uh, try to cohere in a certain way. So even though there are a lot of influences that are on display throughout the album, I think there's like still this, uh, a thread that runs through it, yeah, which totally. is, you know, who we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, Matt, you were talking about when you guys meet once a year, can you, can you kind of expand upon that? Like, first off, how did you guys come into meeting each other? Like we were talking a little bit before, um, we started recording about you guys are all over the U.S. in various places from like uh, Chase. You just did the focus here in Switzerland, which, you know, makes it even more difficult. Uh, you know, Chicago, San Diego and all this. How did you guys come to um, and then how do you maintain this ensemble when you're not in a spot where like, A, you can be regularly gigging. You know, you can't even be regularly workshopping music in the way that, uh, you know, a trio that all lives in Brooklyn might. Sure. Uh, yeah, Chase, go for it. No, well, so we, uh, yeah, I, I, well, we, we all met at Oberlin where we studied music there in the jazz department uh, at, different, at different times. Evan is just uh, two years older, but we were all there for at least two years together. And... Um, yeah, so that that's that's how we all came to know one another. But but to your question about how we make it work, I think when we're at Avalok Farm, I I I think we're able to get as much done in like one or two focused weeks there as many ensembles are able to get done with like intermittent rehearsing throughout the course of a year just because the environment is is so intense. And uh, and we all are there with like a really common goal and purpose, which is to like create another album or, or or set of music. So I think in terms of just like logistically or practically how getting the music together, I, we owe a lot to that place. But also I think we're all really personally invested in the project because uh, it, I've come to realize more and more it's like it's very special to have a group of four people who are committed to playing with one another and a collective project as opposed to something under their own name. And yeah, for all the, like there are a lot of difficulties you mentioned, but there are also a lot of benefits. Like we can share the compositional process or duties with, with one another. You know, we all contribute repertoire. We're all contributing financially to the project, yeah. so it's not one person on one person to shoulder the whole load in that way. We're all dividing the labor of getting the thing out there. You know, uh, Evan's booking the studio, Matt's doing video editing, I'm booking a gig, this or that. So I think we all recognize that, like, while it's challenging being apart, the power of having like four people who are equally committed to the thing makes it Divide all worth and it and just has so many benefits. Too. Yeah. Now, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's interesting though, because that you guys say that, because I think a lot of people, um, you know, in 
jazz i i would put you know money on a little bit that more often you see like in a, a relationship between like band leader and bandmates or sidemen you know and like even though it's they you know you might still have like the normal band that you're going on like someone kind of steps up and takes like a band leader approach and whatnot um and it's interesting because like when you guys talk about that i think more of maybe like a like a string quartet or something where in my experience from listening to them talk uh that have like visited schools and whatnot they discuss how they split up responsibilities how do you guys handle that have you has there been tensions has there like did you guys go into it clearly saying like hey this is my strength this is your strength or do you guys like firmly delegate that? How do you how do you balance that to make sure that everything and everyone is working as I mean, effectively we have as you can? About it. Um, and I think we we sort of have um, when we when we are together and we have been discussing it, we've um, sort of figured out who's best at what and where we can delegate each of our roles um, pretty effectively, so that you know we can just you know, have a phone call every week or, you know, every other week or something like that just to check in. Um, but that, you know, everybody is sort of on the same page. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of, it's a lot of staying in touch and keeping each other updated through messages or whatever. But yeah, like Evan was saying, I think, you know, we definitely have clearly, to find roles or like, you know, in the past few weeks, Evan has been really helpful in like coordinating and communicating with you guys at the label. And then Matt is really great at video editing. So he made all the teasers and did all the, vi you know, the, vid the videos, the studio videos. And I've done a, a fair amount of booking. So I booked, you know, a few of the shows on the West Coast and the Midwest so, yeah, I think we've kind of fallen into a type of rhythm where we're all, you know, working on things, you know, for our strengths, uh, which, yeah, which helps. <laughs> um, so what do you guys, uh, you know, you guys, I would say, are fairly young in the grand scheme of things, you know, um, just finishing up school. You know, you're not much older than maybe a lot of musicians that are interested in this thing and, and that are really wanting to to take part in the same kind of an ensemble or like really take their music and start getting it out there. Um, so what advice do you guys have for the musicians that, you know, are just in college or just getting done with college and like how to take something that seems, you know, and I'm sure you guys would agree, overwhelming at times. Um, and actually, you know, m make motion on it. Yeah, I mean, I'm biased because I'm in this band and I've been like very fortunate to be involved in projects that I care about. But I, I kind of believe this with even greater uh, clarity now that I've been through a lot of school, which is just that I think one of the most important things you can do while you're in school is develop great relationships with the people in the department and try to create something with them. Because I think a lot of like uh, jazz education is maybe, or, or you can get very focused on like, Oh, once I'm out of here, like maybe one day I'll play with this great person or that great person, or, you know, I'll yeah, be I mean, hired I in a, a legends band and then I'll, I'll really be ready or, or then I'll really be doing it. But I've actually found like creating music with my friends 
to be like the most meaningful things, you know, thing I've done. And I've been fortunate through school to play with some amazing like professional musicians who are 20 or 30 years older that, and it it has been incredible, but in terms of like the people who are going to be there for me and care about me and, and, you know, invested in me, it's like the friends I met at school, you know? Uh, so that's the, the, for me, that's like the biggest thing I'd say is don't, don't wait till you're out of school to feel like, you know, to start thinking about who you want to be playing with or don't think it's the people outside of your school who you're like trying um, to get to sort of bounce off uh, of that. I would totally agree with you, Jason. I think that the whole thing that you were talking about, like being out of school and wanting to be in a, you know, some sort of jazz legends band is, it's all good. But I think that that model is was definitely more prevalent in like the 60s and 70s than it is now um because so i mean there's just so much more like access um to musicians that are our age that are making things that are really really interesting um and just like my advice to like younger musicians is just really to try and hang out with you know go and check out as much music as you can with of a lot of different things and sort of find, you know, who you're, who are people that are like-minded in terms of musical aesthetic or um, in terms of what you want to be doing. And you should find your peers uh, there because especially when you move to a new city, there's going to be so much of everything. It can be a lot of very overwhelming at first, but to just try a bunch of different things and then sort of focus in from there has been really helpful for me. Since, you know, since I've moved to Chicago, I've done a whole bunch of different things from, you know, salsa music to mariachi to um, to jazz and to wedding bands and things like that. And now I feel like I'm at a place where I'm comfortable uh, in the scenes that I am in. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. Oh, yeah. The quick thing I would just say to that is while you're at school and you have, it may not feel like you have the platform to take risks, but just take big risks while you're at school with people you want to play with. Write a ton of music. It's good. Some of it's going to be terrible. It doesn't matter. Go back to the drawing board or toss it out and move on to the next thing. But just test things out while you have the time. Find the people that you really enjoy playing with. Remember the experiences that go well. And just try and set up more of those with people that you really admire and the people that continue to inspire you and feedback okay. on your own work. So that's kind of what I tried to do. No one was calling me on Vibrafront for gigs, so I was just writing tons of music. <laughs> yeah, Doesn't I mean, but we need to figure we really it out. start to embrace like, that like, kind of idea. Like going to school is just a time to like figure out once we're what right you out need of to school. do to make it work. Like, wow, I wish I was um, doing all that time. I've always thought that, so... True. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's funny. I had a, like, I didn't really get into jazz until college. Uh, and that's where that came on for me. And I remember like a, my, oh, yeah. some of my closest friends freshman year, you know, we're trying to shove like, mm-hmm. uh, like that Josh Redman live at the village Vanguard record or, uh, yeah. Brian blades Same fellowship. It's all day. Yeah. 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 Or, or landmark. <laughs> like, <that> record. <laughs> yeah. And it's so killing. And like, they're trying to like get you to listen to it. And I was like, look, I'm like, it's great. I know, but like not right now. And when mm-hmm. I came back two years later and I was like, guys, have you heard this stuff? And they're like, dude, 
we tried this like years ago, man, catch up. <laughs> just, you need that time yeah. to figure it out, you know, get it yourself. Yeah. And, and yeah, and totally. And that's to Matt's point, I think also like your aesthetic will change in a huge way throughout the course of your time there. Like the music I was making or, or thought I wanted to be making when I was 18 or 19 is like completely different in a lot of ways than the music <laughs> I'm, I'm making now. Uh, so yeah, I think it, if you just take it as like a, a, this nice time to experiment, you know, creating different types of things, you can maybe by the end figure out, you know, more of what you really want to say. Right. 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 Um, well, you know what, to, to wrap up here, guys, I like to do this thing. Uh, I'm a firm believer where I, sadly, I think the most, uh, most people don't check out our music at first because they actually enjoy our music. I think they check it out because awesome. they're into us yeah. as individuals. Like they, they like you guys. Um, so I kind of want to ask you guys some things that are not <laughs> music related. Um, sure. so, <laughs> this might seem like a foreign concept. It does to many musicians when I talk to them about it. What do you guys like to do when you're not doing music? Like what is your escape from music? Uh, I like, I like to, to be cook. outside and I like and to go on long day hikes. Killing. Uh, yeah. Well, my favorite thing to make right now, I really like curry. Like making curry. Yeah, what is something? Uh, what is something um, you want to learn how to cook? Or like your favorite thing to make? Figure out basically like making like large batches, batches of things that'll last the whole week. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it helps, and I'm, I don't know. I'm been trying to eat healthier and, and just <laughs> try and too, figure see <laughs> all that stuff out. Yeah, and yeah. Then, uh, yeah. Other than that, just playing with my dog. <laughs> <laughs> what about you chase yeah i mean cooking i like walking running too also i listen to a lot of podcasts while uh walking or running it's kind of my other addiction besides music okay uh, yeah and, and lately i've been uh swimming a little bit because in uh there was a river in basel that i so I'm thinking that needs to become part of my life somehow. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, dude, exactly. I, actually, excuse me. Yeah, that's right. It will be, <laughs> become a part of my life in two days. <laughs> uh, what about this? What was the last book you guys read? Well. Oh. <laughs> oh, come on, guys. I, 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 just, I, I just finished one today, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a, uh, yeah. I'm going to, it's called bring oh, on sounds, the books so for everybody. Uh, subtitle, how literary culture became popular culture. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's that. That'll probably appeal. Uh, to, uh, I, I recently you know, read this book. 0.001% of the demographic. You are not a guest. Uh, what about you matter? Evan? Uh, which is so good. Oh my god, it's so, it's so good. Um, but it's sort of just talking about the like the idea okay. of oh, dude. Yeah, technology yeah, I know that book. Uh, and into like our lives and stuff. It's really cool. Take it off. I don't care. Well. Yeah, All right, Matt, we're on to you. <laughs> yeah, I've just been reading a lot of uh, my dad kind of got me on this, but 
I kind of like these smaller digestible short stories. So he, I have this just big book on my bookshelf that's um, the year's best science fiction and fantasy yeah. 2018. So I've just been reading oh, short fantasy stories, which is kind of cool. Wayne Shorter stuff right there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is some Wayne for sure. That's awesome. All right. Well, look, guys, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to come do this. Um, you know, to everyone that's listening, make sure you check out those books. I mean, they sound interesting, at least uh, maybe swim, you know, who knows? That could be something new. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, get get on over to uh, Amazon, you know, uh, Apple Music, Spotify, whatnot. Friday. Check out Echoes and their new release loading screen. Um, and shortly you guys are going to be going on a, on a short little tour across the U.S., right? Yeah, yeah, so you know, make sure you follow them on social media. Um, I don't know when this would go out. This might go out after the tour, but if it does, you know, make sure you check them out uh, when they're planning again next. And if not, you know, all of their music's going to be uh, up on Spotify and everything. Their last release, Thank Square you. Two, the two singles they have out now, and then on August second is when the uh, full new release comes out. So thank you again guys 